Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV radio presenter and host, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I'm speaking to a young multi-award-winning broadcaster, actor, writer, and most recently, pilgrimage adventurer, who I've seen go from strength to strength since we first stepped into the uni radio studio together. Now, after dominating at the Student Radio Awards in 2012, he then burst through the doors at the BBC, shook the tables, secured two radio shows, and we started to see his hilarious banter, incredible interview skills, and passion for his culture and the youth of today shine through. Now, with a hit BBC, documentary under his belt as well as a 30 under 30 award for broadcasting i'm very happy to be joined by my fellow leeds uni broadcast journalism alumni mim shake hello mim that is the best introduction (laughs) i think genuinely i have ever heard in my entire career to this day i swear down Get out of here. No, no joke. Like, props are, props need to be given where props are due. And that was, you're, yeah, you're really good at what you do. But I've seen, I've seen you go from strength to strength more so than I have. Because, oh. but no, genuinely, let's, let's, let's start off, off the bat, yeah. Me and you, we first met because we studied at the same university in Leeds. Yeah. Uh, doing broadcast journalism, right? I was like this Londoner in Leeds for the first time not knowing what what to do where to go making brand new friends and i saw you in 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 the radio studio when we were leaving and we had like a what were we doing we were doing like a radio news um day and i left yeah. and i saw you and we just started talking and you told me about um lead student radio or something that you have your own radio show did i have <laughs> no recollection the first time I saw you, it was the worst building ever in Leeds. Like, the building was just a shambles. Yeah. I don't know why they done, like, lectures in there. And we were talking, and we ju- I don't know, we just hit it off, and you just turned around and told me, in that one conversation, that I've got, like, a, a, ra- a radio show, uh, I'm from London, you should, like, come down and, like, check it out, or whatever. And then I think I took your BBM. Mad thing. That, that was our way of communicating. It was BBM Messenger, and I added you on BBM. I had like my Blackberry Bolt and I put it in and I was like, oh, she seems really cool. And then, yeah, and then we finally connected over like, over radio in Leeds. Wow. That is a moment. (laughs) That was a moment, genuinely. And and every time I see you, like every time I see you winning or you're doing like a radio show or you're presenting at some awards or you're doing, I just, I just automatically remember like the first time I met this person and see where they've gone on in their career. And I'm just like, yeah, super proud. Oh, thank you, man. Well, I really appreciate that. And I'm just so glad we've been able to experience this together because honestly, the road from uni to actually the industry is not easy. So, of course, I've got to say, Mim, welcome to the mainstream. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, that was honestly so lovely of you. And um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing, us presenters and stuff, we all kind of watch each other, support each other from afar, or sometimes, you know, BBM, <laughs> however we can, we try and stay connected. And like I said, you've literally carved out like such an incredible career. You're only 29, right? Yeah, 29, 10, 29, April. Mad, mad, mad. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you say only as well, because sometimes, yeah, I just feel I'm old. Oh, get out of here. No, I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I think it's, just, I think it's that young person syndrome that they have that, you know, whatever age you get, you just think you know everything. That's and bad. 
you're getting older and you should have certain things done at a certain age. And then when you say only, like I had a conversation with my auntie the other day and she was like, you're still young. And I'm like, yeah, man, I am. Let me just start thinking like that more. Definitely, definitely. Like I'm two years older than you. So, Mm. you know, I I still see myself as only, do you get what I mean? Like there's Mm. so much more to do. And um, look at all of the people we look up to, you know, they've had long careers, maybe 20 plus more even. So, you know what, we're, we're only just getting started and you yeah, definitely... I think you're right, actually. Longevity is yeah, man. thing. And I think when you're young, you want success really quickly. You want, it, you want it like overnight. You want it like all the things that you set yourself in your goals and you, you make your lists and you, you visualise yourself doing certain things. You want it ASAP. And what I've learned yeah. so much over the last, say, seven, eight years of like just working relentlessly and wanting to achieve certain targets is... It's true what everyone says when they when when they're successful and they come and do interviews is it's not actually about getting to the destination like it genuinely isn't like the process mm. of getting to that part the people you meet the obstacles you have to kind of overcome the the barriers that you face like being able to to really see those things and go through that and experience that that's where the experience is so like valuable it, it that's where you're able to just take all of those things and then apply it in different ways to do different things that you want to achieve because as you get older your goals and your aspirations are only going to get bigger as well you're going to have like hopefully a a mindset which is like focused on growing so things that you've learned through the little obstacles that you faced now can be implemented in bigger bigger instances huh you better tell him brother mem (laughs) you better tell him Nah, listen, you are wise beyond your years, honestly. And and this is what I'm saying. Like, you've kind of taken so much of your own life experience and kind of put it out there positively in the world. But like, I want to know, what made you want to study broadcast journalism in particular? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I have the flashback straight away, yeah. I, wow. was, in my room. I was in my room, I was sat down, and it was a choice of either studying law in in London in the UK or deciding to do something media related because within within my school years like I had the most amazing media studies teacher Miss Baptist yeah she was the best teacher that's good obviously obviously I know we're on like a first-hand basis now like we're, 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 we're friends and she supported everything that I've done but back then she was just Miss Baptist and she just believed in me um within English and media in particular. And I loved media. And she and it's so weird, yeah. She had this like um this acronym like on a on a wall and it was called Rail. And I still remember it to this day because what Rail was in year 10 was representation, audience, institution, and language. That's right. what Rail meant in year 10. Yeah. Those words now within my career are so important and imperative to do anything like representation about you representation about your culture about your religion about your your class everything that you've gone through audience in regards to who you're trying to attract institutions different media organizations are going to have different like political standpoints or um just different ways of like uh, uh perpetuating a message and then language is obviously the way that you're able to maybe switch up the way that you speak or 
the way that the words that you're able to use via these different organizations so it's just mad that i was able to remember that from then but yeah she, she believed in me so much that i love media studies and then when i decided to study uh broadcast journalism i was like nah there's something about the word broadcast it's again language like something about the word broadcast told me put down broadcast journalism as your number one choice and go to the university of leeds wow that's mm. that's cool man i love that you still remember that and it's it's a part of your your life that's that's amazing and it's good to have good media teachers honestly so important because they they start it they are the blueprint for mapping out and realizing how much you love you know journalism and broadcasting and media in general so that's yeah, amazing I think, I think teachers are so we need to give teachers more credit because yeah you're able to be a great teacher you do not understand like the influence and impact that you can have on like a young child's life like yeah. you really can especially if that child might not have like the best home situation for example and he's getting like attention and love and support in it via his classroom and his teacher it goes without saying that that is so impactful for their future development yeah definitely agree definitely agree well you mentioned like you know when we first met and you're a proper Londoner like to me you are so South London <laughs> like, and, I, and I think that's what kind of like drew me to you because especially you know being in Leeds and you know being you we did feel sometimes like outsiders yeah. and you automatically get drawn to the other Londoners but then I didn't realize you grew up in Birmingham as well yeah so why did you choose Leeds like why didn't you go to Birmingham because I know Birmingham's got really great media um courses as well yeah no very good question because basically I I didn't really grow up there I was literally there for about one or two years of my okay. early life and straight away we moved down to South London um in Battersea and that's like as a child I'm not going to remember the ages of one and two as much as I do remember the ages from like three all the way up until like 10 like so yeah. my childhood was definitely more cemented and rooted within South London than I'd say uh, somewhere like Birmingham. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And what was your experience like in Leeds? Did you enjoy Leeds? Yeah, Leeds was wicked. I, I had a conversation with one of my aunties who came around to my house before actually applying, and she said to me, "What are you what are you deciding to study?" And I turned around to her and I said, "I'm thinking of uh, journalism." And she's like, "Okay, what universities are you deciding to to look at?" And I was like, my, "This is was this was my literal response. My literal response was, oh, 'Oh, I'm going to stay in London because you know.'" Uh, I want to stay in my comfort zone, you know, I want to be comfortable um, and, and I like everything here. So I'm just going to apply for like London universities, like Brunel, Kingston. And she came around to me and she said, that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, what, what do you mean? She's like, you want to study journalism, but you want to stay in your comfort zone. Right. And I'm so glad she said that to me because I was like, she's actually so right. Like, yeah. why am I... And that's what made me decide to to move out and go to go to Leeds. And I think I think I think what's more what's more important within university education is actually the experience that you get of living out independently and socializing and just being um, like out of your comfort zone and not knowing where everything is and being able to survive and make brand new friends and allowing yourself to grow in ways that you never even you never even thought you could even do. Right. So yeah. that's, that's why anytime I have a conversation with anyone, especially like any 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 young people, either in my family or friends or friends, I always tell them, like, try and move out if you can. It's really, really, really great experience for you. 
definitely agree like I was in the we were all in the London bubble it's just something that ends up happening and I think because London does feel big in a weird way (laughs) we end up being like oh no it's fine like if I go Brunel I'll still be out you're not you need to actually leave the the city and out of London and literally experience life and you meet so many amazing people as well which is which is great about it as well Mm -hmm. so well done Mim I respect that a lot so Leeds Uni actually was really, really highly recognised for student radio. I actually didn't know this when I applied. (laughs) (laughs) No, neither did I. I I only realised that after I left. Oh my gosh, same. So, and I was like, I wish I left, yeah. And people said, What's the uni we go to? And you said Leeds. And everyone was like, Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. I've done that course. I was part of LSRFM. Yeah. I, I was studying broadcast journalism, the Institute of Communication Studies. And I was like, yes. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I knew that. I was like, that's me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, LSRFM has won numerous awards. And obviously, you went on to win Best Specialist Music Programming and Best Interview at the Student Radio Awards. So um, what was your experience of the awards? And like, like we said, is it as big a deal? Do they make it a big deal while you're there and while you're, you know, getting the awards and stuff? Yeah, I think I didn't know what to kind of expect back then. This was in 2012. I was just gassed. I was <laughs> like, this is something that I've just done passionately without like kind of being paid for. And it's just sheer passion that I, I wanted to do a show and like chop it up and enter into some awards and see what they say. And I think whilst getting there, I was a bit like I was I was out of my comfort zone again because I didn't really know what to do and who to speak to and like I was I was just I just didn't feel as comfortable because my way of kind of communicating and the music that I was kind of passionate about and the stuff that I was speaking about, I didn't know whether other people would understand that at such a young age because people weren't coming up to me and speaking in the way that I would be I would be communicating. So what I'm trying yeah. to say is that is a lot of uh, white, uh, middle-class um, people who would be at, 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 a, at an award show like that. But it was the best experience for me to kind of do that, to then learn kind of how the world operates on, 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 like, a, on like a bigger scale. Um, and, 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 and it was amazing to be able to win those awards because I feel I was, yeah, when you, when you're young and you get congratulated for doing something by any institution, no matter how big or small it is, it really allows you to go, you know what? Yeah, I'm good at this. And they've said I'm good at this. So let me go full throttle and try and do it professionally. Love that. Love that. Well, I mean, it definitely was uh, an opportunity to show yourself to the radio world because, you know, it's sponsored by Radio One. It's sponsored by Global. Lots of eyes are on you. And of course, when you graduated, you got a placement at Radio One and One Extra's Newsbeat. So how do you know all of this stuff? (laughs) Mim. That's like, not a lot of people know that. Where did you get information from? I Googled you, baby. (laughs) How did you do that? But I also remember, remember, I literally saw your journey. Like, it's not a joke. I actually remember you had some iconic moments, even during a placement. Like, there was that time when you had that kind of standoff with Tim Westwood. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he asked you, 
what was it? He asked you to make him a coffee and you replied, I'm going to take your spot one day, Westwood. He said, he literally said, yeah, 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 this was, I was gassed. Mim, you are mad. You are actually mad because it, it takes balls to like even be on the mic and speak. But you, you were speaking to Tim Westwood. Like he is a legend known around the world. And you said, don't worry about your coffee. I'm going to take your job. <laughs> Listen. I have a donut. I'm so, you see now, yeah? I would never do that. Would, That's what I'm thinking. I'm too, like, I'll be too professional to even say anything like that. But what that moment reminds me of, yeah, is you are so raw and you are so, you're so innocent and you're just so hungry that yeah. you just say stuff that you're like, I was hungry. I was so hungry for like success and wanting to like prove myself that I just said that to him. Oh man. And then the maddest thing is, is that skip forward a couple of years, I was, I became an assistant producer working yeah. see behind the scenes and I'd work on like various presenters and DJ shows. And I was working on a show um, on the Asian network with Limelight and Candyman and they and they and it was Westwood's last ever radio show on Radio One ever Mad. It was his last one before Charlie was going to take over the rap show and he came on the show and I was just there sitting there doing my work and I think obviously he remembered me um, of course yeah, and, and he's and he's literally like and, and they're doing an interview with him and he's about to do his farewells and whatever and and before he leaves he says yo, just look out for this one, yeah? And he points at me and they're like, what do you mean look out for him? And he's like, he's trying to take people's slots. Just don't be taking those sick days off. Don't be taking those yeah. time off. He's, he's here and he's ready and he wants it. And I just started laughing my head off because I was like, you haven't you haven't ever, ever forgot that moment like from back then. Listen, it was so memorable. And it's true, especially in this industry, that sick day could actually change someone's life. like you know being a cover presenter like we've both done it being a cover presenter and just showing them what you what you've got in that you know that three hour slot maybe that could change everything like you know radio djs or or the commissioners or or station managers they might look at you and be like oh hold on who is this yeah those three hours were elite and again you like you said that moment you had with tim westwood was a warning sign to everyone like okay who is this guy there's something (laughs) about him and that's what i'm saying it's really important to get in the building so for you you know, once you get your foot in, what do you think it is that actually makes people go the distance to actually progress up the ladder? Because like you said, you ended up going from a placement to assistant producer. Like, that's a big deal. So yeah. what what do you think it is that allowed you to be able to progress like that? Yeah, so so when you say it like that, it seems like it's so easy and it's like an overnight thing. But being able to do, being able to be at university, make, allow yourself to then be accepted for a one-week work experience at Radio 1 and 1X's Newsbeat, to then not being able to do that anymore, learning everything you can, making your contacts, to then approaching different people within the industry and doing countless freelance uh, work experience placements where you're not getting paid nothing. You're just literally learning as much as you can. I've done so many of them at independent production companies that work for radio, um, that commission shows, that then work on shows, that then, and, and just being around like a lot of people. I remember... There was this, in 2012 was when uh, Radio 1 done the Hackney Academy. So the big weekend that they do every year, yeah. it was in Hackney this time. 
and it was literally on my doorstep. I literally turned up to one of the events and um, just was making friends and just like being around trying to ask for advice and whatever. A few months later, somebody who I spoke to there literally emailed me and said, look, there's this job opening up as an assistant producer at the Asian Network. Why don't you apply for it? And I was like, Asian Network? Like, I've never even thought of that ever. Like, I'm, And I was like, I'm so dumb. I'm Asian. Like, what <laughs> I've never ever thought of that. I've never thought of that. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna apply and see what happens. And then I applied and I ended up getting getting a job as an assistant producer working for a production company that um works on different various people's radio shows. And I that was the most yeah, I learned so much there, just being able to learn about broadcasting and how everything operates. Amazing, amazing. Well, I mean, you not only secured a a job in production you then eventually progress to getting two shows one on BBC Asian Network and then another one on BBC Radio and Extra how did it feel to be a part of and also representing for two platforms that are a part of two amazing communities because like you said growing up in South London there's a lot of culture the black culture is very strong there as well and like you said being Asian being a face and name on the BBC Asian network, what did it mean to be a part of two of those stations? Yeah, like really, like one of the proudest moments in my early 20s, 110%. It's like, it's that feeling of, I don't know how to describe it, but you you work so hard for your dream to be achieved and the, like literally the biggest dream that you have like ends up becoming achieved and you're just so grateful. And And I was able to turn around and even just like, when my grandmother was alive, like being able to show her like, look, everything that you've done for me, I, I I wanted to just make sure that you raised me in the right way. And I went and achieved what the thing that I wanted the most at that time, which was national radio shows. And to not just get one, but to get two um, on, on, on two different platforms was like, man, one of the best things, even thinking about it, I, I was just so happy just being able to like represent and be me authentically on both, not having to compromise who I am or speak differently just being able to allow Asian Network to kind of bring out my Asian side sometimes and like one extra like I was able to be passionate about the music that I've grown up listening to for such a young age um yes yeah, like beautiful beautiful feeling amazing you definitely represented man I I was so happy to see both opportunities happen and it was just like yeah both of them made sense (laughs) it wasn't because I I know it's weird to say but sometimes you see people get opportunities and not in a not in a shady way but you're just like oh yeah I didn't really think I didn't think of that yeah maybe yeah (laughs) so yours just made perfect sense and you know it was great representation and and as well at the time there weren't many guys doing bits on radio like that as well young guys it's you know it's it's they that they say it's always been an old boys club and when I say old boys it's usually white older people and and male but for you to be a young Asian man representing from South London it was beautiful, man. You know beautiful, what I love beautiful. about what you just said, yeah, is that it felt like authentic, that it didn't feel like it was a reach, yeah? I think what I've learned now from that experience is like Asian Network felt authentic, like authentic. One extra felt a bit more authentic to me just, just due to like what, like what I'm really interested in. But that whole idea of like authenticity and being able to be a talent and being part of like the right project and it fitting that means way more to me now and being able to learn that so early on is like I don't want to ever do anything that is like hmm like what was what were you doing that for you know what's the mm. behind the reason that you said yes to that is that because 
of a paycheck? Is that because you actually feel passionately about a certain subject or story that's being like spoken about? Like now I'm learning that whole, like the whole idea of placement and what really feels authentic to an individual. Because now we live in a generation, yeah, where transparency is 110% key to everything. Like being, being in lockdown and being in situations like this, People are getting to see people's insides of their houses, how they operate <laughs> with their families. Like social media is now turning and it's only going to go into a place where we're going to be more, more, we're going to look for more and more and more transparency. So if you're lying to an audience in any way, audiences can see through everything now. Yeah. So you can't ever like lie to them. It, it's always going to be, it always has to be authentic and transparent 110% at all times. I totally agree. And you you actually have been really, really open when you made a lot of your online content. So I know it, I've noticed in general, a lot of us have to be content creators at the same time. Like, not by force, but it is kind of something we, we've had to adapt to as broadcasters. And um, you started creating comedic poems, pranks and all that kind of stuff early on in your career. What made you go down that route? Yeah, so I so this is all thanks to Jump Off TV. I started working with Jump Off TV in 2000 and I think 13, 14, like just being able to, again just learning man hungry to like pick up a camera and make some stuff. Um and they were just like invaluable to like my career. They just just helped in so many ways in regards for me to just edit videos, learn how to create, learn how to upload, learn how to post, learn how to promote like they're relentless um back then. so like I was just being and they're so creative as like individuals to come up with ideas and I was just I just wanted to create content and get my name out there and we made like so many different viral videos from like how Drake fans pick up girls to me like how to get how to do twerking at carnival like holding up a sign saying <laughs> practice which I now look back on and I'm like that is you said wait what the sign said what yeah, so we so we picked so we made a sign that says free twerking practice and there's an arrow pointing down at me and I'm just holding this sign at Notting Hill Carnival. There's a video oh viral online and it's done like millions and millions of views. And this is again at the same time when I was a bit arrogant and a bit like thinking I can do anything and so fearless that yeah, we done a video like that. I snuck into the mobos as Jay Sean. That was one of those videos. Um oh so there were so many to just think creatively how can I get myself out there and be seen as a like comedic presenter broadcaster kind of person yeah do you think it's important for presenters to have a thing because was you going for being the funny one or you know the one that could do pranks or like you know was it a conscious decision of I want to be the funny one you know what it was now looking back on it it was just a conscious decision of getting myself out there wanting to be fame hungry like okay it, oh, okay interesting it, phrase fame hungry though yeah maybe not fame yeah like because yeah, i didn't see, i didn't see you as fame hungry i i knew the point i knew the plan yeah there was a plan but i think there was also an element of like what is the real goal for this the real goal for this is trying to yet yeah, uh gain like radio shows was trying to get yourself out there but what what i mean by fame hungry is by any means necessary so, like, really? like not not to that degree but to, to the point of like like compromising like what you kind of believe in and what you rate and what you value to just like looking back at some of the stuff I'm a bit like 
what am I, what was I doing? You know, what was I thinking? Okay. But that's because I'm grown now to the point yeah. of where I was then. I was very young then. So if I, the fact that I can now look at that and be like, hmm, what was I doing is a bit, it makes me feel good in where I'm at right now because it just shows that I've kind of grown up. But it was just, yeah, it was just trying to get out there. And then, and then I think like a, just a huge shift happened within, yeah, within just me and like my thinking and like what I really wanted to do, like moving forward. I didn't want to carry on just doing uh, like comedy all the time and stuff. And I, and, and, and I just wanted to go in a different direction. Boy, it was noticeable because what I thought was an extremely powerful move was when you released two poems in particular, coming out about mental health and then letter to my mother. Mim, I was absolutely blown away. Guys, these videos are still available on Mim's YouTube channel. Please watch them. So powerful. Why did you decide to open up in this way? Um, so I think in my personal life, at that time, like my world just came crashing down because my grandma died yeah. at, um, at the age of 25. And when I say my grandmother, I say that loosely because she's she's actually my parents. She's both my parents in one person. Like it's my mum and my dad um, and like my strongest like support network, my, my, my rock, everything. And I was doing all of these things and then that happened. And I just can't, ex I just can't even explain it but it was just literally this big huge shift in my mind where it was like nah man like I can't do some of the other, the stuff that I was doing like I feel like I've got I feel like there's more for me to talk about there's more for me to give um I'm, I'm a bit smarter than that and it, it just yeah it just made this because my personal life shifted that kind of reflected and had an effect on say my professional output and again, yeah. with the whole idea of like authenticity and transparency, if I was to go and like laugh around and joke around uh, in like a video, but deep down I'm like really hurting and I'm like really like upset and like um, in a frame of mind where that's just like this mask that I'm putting on. I didn't feel like it would be the best way of kind of like kind of showing my emotions. So I just I just wanted to create like more impactful content that kind of showed that there is more depth to me as a human being rather than just being one-sided. Um, and I just wanted to do it, yeah, openly. And I'm so glad I did because it allowed me to, even as a man, just be able to kind of process my emotions a bit better. Beautiful. It was so beautifully done. And um, honestly, thank you for being so honest. And I, I think this is partly why we all, as a nation, fell in love with you when you released Finding Dad on BBC Three and BBC One. Because that was powerful. I had to message you and be like, Mim, this is this was yeah. insane. Well done. And just to drop some some facts and stats, it has over a million views. This is like when it was broadcast on BBC One, over a million views in the UK alone. And it accumulated over 750,000 online views. I'm sure that's growing as we speak. Yeah. So, so what, what, what actually led you to getting this powerful documentary commission like was it a conversation with you and a production company agency like how how did how did how did the idea even happen yeah so I had the idea for a while early doors when I was working at the BBC I don't know I just had the idea but I wasn't ready to kind of do that in the place where I was at and then um I started I started acting and I started going up for auditions for different projects and I've done a film called Freehold, uh, which is like an independent um, British movie, like dark comedy, 
it's like still available to like watch on Amazon Prime, um, like online. And I've done that film and literally off the back of doing that film, I went to a screening for them to show this film and I met an amazing woman called Suzanne who works for a production company called Lightbox. And they are like one of the best production companies to make documentaries. Um, they've done Searching for Sugar Man. They've done Man on Wire. They've done the Whitney Houston documentary that came out in the cinemas um, not too long ago. And we just had a conversation. We went for a coffee and she was like, look, I've seen your film. I think it's great. Um, do you, I've seen what other stuff you do. Do you have any ideas for any documentaries? And literally I just said to her, yeah, I want to make one about me trying to go and find my dad. I've never met him before ever in my life. Can we do it? And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, that, like, that's the story. Like, I just want to, I want to, I want to document the whole thing. Cause I feel like, I feel like it, people will be able to learn from it. And if I can share my experiences openly and honestly, it will be more like cathartic for me to do that. Um, in regards to a processing perspective and she was like yeah like yeah let, 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 let's do it yeah yeah let's go. <laughs> i'm ready because what i've learned now is stories like that do not come around every day mm. it's they're very rare very very rare and even she said to me she said and the process was so quick because i was talking to bbc3 i was talking to the controller called damien kavanagh and um, I was doing like talks for him. I was interviewing like Stacey Dooley on stage in Birmingham before the documentary got commissioned. I made a letter to my mother the year before. So I showed him that video and said, look, this is my style of communication. This is the kind of style that I want to kind of do it in a, in, in a way where it's just open and authentic. And he literally just said, yes, like put, put in the proposal with the production company and I'll, I'll, I'll say yes to it because I think it's a great story that needs to be kind of shown on British television. Um, wow. And yeah, it seems so easy to say the process was so like easy like that. But what I've learned now that stuff like that does not come around every day. Stories like that are very rare. Your own individual story is so unique to you that th that is where kind of the power lies. That if you're able to kind of tell your own story and speak your own truth, nobody else can ever replicate that yeah so it was Definitely. kind of yeah, it was kind of a combination of all of those things that then allowed for that to get commissioned and that is by far to this day one of the proudest and probably the most proudest thing that I, I, I may ever do you know in my career I obviously want to better myself and push myself in other capacities but that you can't top that man that was yeah, yeah that was so sentimental and so heartfelt Definitely. I mean, not only was it a great piece of work, it was your life. Like, you know, you you had an actual awakening and connection with your dad. Like that that you can't you you can't buy that experience. <laughs> like like you know. and, and I think that's what I that's what I'm drawn to now is not is like it's not the when I was younger, it was the oh my god, I wanna I want to really like speak to like somebody famous and understand their yeah. and see how they think, which I still love. I love conversations, but real life experiences like that stuff is just so powerful, man. Like you never Definitely. ever get to like, I'm, I'm so rich. Yeah. Not, not financially, but like through life, because I've just been able to experience some of some things that I look back at some days and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Like, how have you been able to experience some of these amazing moments in your life? That's amazing. I love that. Well done, man. <laughs> I'm so proud. Always proud. So, okay, like you said, it's 
you make it sound super easy, but obviously it's not easy to get a documentary commissioned. So what advice would you give to any of the people that are listening? Because I'm sure there's loads of creatives who have amazing ideas as well. What advice would you give to getting commissioned? Is it about who you know? Is it about having a proposal? What do you think it is? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I I was doing a talk like two weeks ago um, for like a university uh, program where they're making like documentaries and and they're filmmakers. And the advice that I gave to them is literally the same thing, which is be passionate about something that you really can get behind and offer and present um, like very authentically and honestly to you. Like why, what, like emotionally do you feel like a sense of, connection with the subject matter and and only you nobody else in this world only you have the ability to kind of speak about that subject matter from such a like honest perspective if you can hit the nail on those two things everything else from the organization to the writing up of a proposal to getting it in front of the right people that's all part of like an ongoing framework that everyone like can end up doing but the hardest part I think is especially if it's your first one to really like find the subject that you like genuinely care about. And I'm not yeah. talking about fake care for social media and, Oh, I'm, I'm with the environment and I'm with, the, it's like, no, like genuinely you, you care about and nobody else can actually mimic or change in any capacity. Only like I could only offer that film for about finding my dad, obviously yeah. for all given reasons. So it's, it's kind of something like that, like finding something that is very unique to you and just pushing through with that. Amazing. That's great advice. Thank you. I might have to take some notes myself. Man, <laughs> <laughs> you're good. You've been pushing and hustling and like moving forward in your career for like so long. It's crazy. If you never told me to come to LSR and just come on your Funky Monkey radio show where you used to play like Funky House music at LSR, yeah? That I would, and even I think one of your friends texted in once and said, "Oh my God, who's that on the co-host with you? His voice sounds like really nice." Like even <laughs> boosted my confidence like through the roof. I was like, "Yeah, my voice is sick, man." That is sick. You have got a really lovely voice, by the way. No, honestly, it is about just you know making the most of opportunities shooting your shot and everything so you've definitely you've definitely shown us a great blueprint of being authentically you and just going for it Mm. full throttle so what would you think what would you what do you say are some of the key moments that have kick-started your career key moments that have kick-started my career I think definitely um yeah I think studying at university definitely gave me the foundations because I think now what I've realized is a lot of people go to university study and they don't even use half of the stuff that they they learn about within their jobs now and I, and I find that I find that weird because I, I w- I'm still able on a day-to-day basis to use those skills and those practical elements that I was able to pick up from university so that was definitely a strong foundation other kickstarts was definitely online content being able to put that out and being seen um, in a certain light um, and, and building like a small online following um, through different people just by regularly uploading content. That was definitely very imperative. Um, and being able to like, just wanting to learn like different things and different skills from 
the acting side of things to the broadcasting side of things to then spoken word poetry um yeah just like literally armoring yourself up with different skill set to know that yeah. whatever way you go in your career whatever medium you approach that you have your own thing early on everyone used to say to me when I was when I was coming up you know what's your USP like what's your yeah. what's, what's so unique about you and I was like what do you mean I'm just I'm good at what I do that's my unique I didn't know it and that was yeah my, I'm, just, I'm good at what I do I can I, I can get the best out of people by being honest and then as I've learned older, like my USP is kind of like, yeah, me being me, but looking at it through maybe a deep, uh, like poetic lens. Um, whereas before it might have been something through like the comedy spectrum. So yeah, I'd say just figure out like who you are and what what viewpoint are you going to take when you're talking about something. Mm, definitely agree with that definitely agree well you've mentioned a lot that like you've had experience in loads of different things and um if I'm honest as a friend I did not see acting coming at all like obviously I know you're a great personality but um when you're like oh guys I've got a film out I was like huh <laughs> like, where did this come from yeah. so did you always want to act as well as broadcast or, or was it something that grew and developed over over the years no, so I never, I never ever saw myself like becoming an actor when I was young, ever, literally ever. Okay. It was, but I kind of, my, my nan always said to me that I've always been one. Like, <laughs> I love that. It's weird. Like I, when I got my first film, um, when I got the first role for my film and I went and told her and I was expecting her to be like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. This is great. She turned around and the only words that she turned around and said to me was, yeah, but you've always been an actor, so that's like I'm not surprised. I was like, "What?" Duh. I was like, "You're not gonna like, even give me a pat on the back or anything." Like, <laughs> he was like, "No, that's that's normal." Like, you've always been like that, and I was like, "Interesting." Like, I never looked at it from that perspective. And then what I really, what what I've realized, yeah, and this is gonna sound, it's gonna sound kind of hard to understand, but say us as human beings, yeah, like we all kind of are actors in a way, in a sense of we have different versions of us. We're multi-layered. Different people bring out different sides of us. We're able to act in different areas, professionally, personally. Um, like we kind of are that. So when I actually started acting, it sounds so weird to, to articulate, but I kind of found myself more than okay. I found myself and who I really am through playing kind of a few different other people and then realizing that when I'm acting actually we're all we're all of us human beings we're all like the same thing like we've all got the same emotional spectrum the same like this like different thought processes obviously but we we all it just brought out the more, like more similarities within humanity like and like connected consciousness with me and it's it's kind of hard to explain it but it's it's weird, like being able to just do a few roles made me realize more of who I am. And I think that is the reason why I was attracted to it, because I was so attracted to different people's opinions and why somebody speak, why somebody thinks like that and why somebody thinks like that. If you're able to actually exhibit these people on a in, in, in a film capacity and be a scaffolder from a working class background one minute to then being somebody who is in love with money and is a rich estate agent the next minute to... So do, it's like where's the where's the connection between them two different characters like how mm. can you 
the human side out of both of them. And it just made me, yeah, it just made me like, it, it literally made me find myself a bit more. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally makes sense. And yeah, it's a good exercise for life. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But in answer to your question, I didn't see it coming. It just kind of, it just kind of happened. And I think now yeah. what I've learned is that moving forward, it's not necessarily the acting that I'm actually like in love with. It's actually the writing and the creating that okay. is more like that. I find that stuff so powerful, man, because we don't have enough creators in the UK that I think that that can tell authentically certain stories that belong to certain communities, be yeah. that um, from, from like from different diasporas. So from like the South Asian community, like we need we need more storytellers to be able to take these stories and make them into something rather than complaining oh man, there's not enough roles for so-and-so and, and, and people from that community. Is Yeah, there's not enough roles because no one's making the stuff. Mm, like, exactly. if you're able to get people to make the stuff, then there'll be more like, there'll be more roles for people like that. Definitely. Sounds like it was a really good move for you to do that. Um, But one thing that I realised, or we all realised, you had to make a tough decision about leaving radio to focus on other pursuits. So... How was that? Whew, that was a hard decision, man. That was a, yeah, that was a very, that was difficult because I feel it's like giving up something that you really love for yeah. something else that you really love. And what a beautiful blessing to be able to be, to be able to be, to do something like that in regards to like making a choice. Um, yeah. But it, I think it just needs to be done in a sense of just being able to like push out and and move in a different in a different area um and sometimes they're blessing in disguises you know okay okay so was it was it just that it was too much to manage both career aspects or I mean what was the deciding factor in I I need to step back a little bit yeah it was like um a combination kind of of different things I think I was moving, I think I was doing so many different like jobs and opportunities and um, yeah, like different, different types of work. Like I was doing the acting side of thing. I was doing, um, I was doing like documentary stuff. I was doing all of these things where I think it didn't make sense for the radio station to turn around and be like, look, it's like, what, how are we, how are we going to benefit from you? as well as you being beneficial to us when there's other yeah. people, when there's other people that are way more hungry and like way more passionate maybe about something that you once was once upon a time like you we can just see that you're you're moving in a different direction um and i think yeah you just kind of have to just be like look it is what it is i think yeah maybe time for us to part ways but it's it's so like even talking about it now it makes me feel like Cause it's such a great, it was such a great thing to do. Yeah. It's one of your, it's like letting a passion go and getting other passions that you're still so passionate about, but you still really love that passion. You can't, yeah. have, you can't have everything obviously, and you can't be too greedy or whatever, but it's just, yeah, I'm just bringing back all these memories that were just like, oh, so, so, so thick. Do you know what though, what I've learned and it's it's important to understand that there's a time and season for everything. 
And th- it doesn't mean that the door is closed for radio, obviously, because you're a sick broadcaster and yeah, opportunities. Yeah, 110%. 110% not, <laughs> not. Like, there's a, after lockdown, there's like certain things that I'm trying to do and trying to, like, I love conversating and broadcasting, right? Yeah. And I think it's just a different way of broadcasting. It's yes. A, it's not that type of way of broadcasting anymore. It's uh, as you're growing older, you. Like, I, like on Asian Network, I've done a debate show, for example. And yeah. People in them used to talk about like different issues, different topics, different communities. And we had like amazing conversations around cultural appropriation. Like if we was to do it right now, we'd be talking about Black Lives Matter. We'd be talking about uh, allyship. We'd be talking about how to like, what is the best way to like move forward in this situation? Yeah. That's where like I've come alive. Like now is what I've realized. So like LBC or different uh podcast situations that are on the horizon like different ideas that i'm working on uh, there's definitely going to be a home again for me on air or podcast wise to be able to speak about certain things that i'm very 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 passionate about love that yes mim always working a man yeah. with a plan <laughs> whatever your foundation is you can't ever get rid of that it's true ever it's all it's going to be limited within you like you're gonna like radio is gonna be a part of the Ramel London journey for <laughs> because like that is your you used to get the microphone. What's it called? The Marantz. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Throwback. You used to get the Marantz from <laughs> used to hire out the Marantz, go down to Mission, interview Tiny Temper, bring it back, yeah. edit it up, upload it. Like you've been doing that from such a young age. Like, listen, your memory is good. You know, lockdown <laughs> has enhanced my memory. <laughs> it made, made me remember so many different things like that's I mean, mad it's crazy because i've because i've lived such a rich life so far um but yeah like we were saying it's never gonna go away and once yeah. i'm at home again like uh broadcasting it's gonna be so amazing literally i love that it'll be so great. absolutely love that well you're not just here for us on the air you're literally on the screen all over the place I mean you absolutely kill it um especially in most recently you went on Celebrity MasterChef that was sick but (laughs) but also you appeared (laughs) wait talk talk me through Celebrity MasterChef like that was so bad Uh, listen all I want to say here is right now I am such a I'm 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 more of a better chef than I am now privately than I was on that show. That, that was is jokes. Bad, well, well, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. <laughs> that was an experience that we all enjoyed. Yeah. But also, yeah. most recently, you is on the BBC pilgrimage road to Istanbul. So you posted about that a lot because you said how powerful it was, and I just love that you was able to kind of share your your spiritual side of us a lot more as well. So how important is it for you to share your experience as a as a Muslim man? Yeah, I think it's very important when we don't have uh, a lot of open representation with um, people speaking about their religion and kind of what it means to them. And we're left with kind of ideas of what people think, what Muslim people are within like mm. the mainstream like news agenda and it goes against everything that what Islam is really about, which is all about like peace and betterment and like open-mindedness and charity and giving and submittance and service like all of those things is what 
kind of Islam kind of means to me and how, how it m- makes me better as a human being. So to be asked to go on like the pilgrimage for BBC Two um, and to be like one of the youngest people to do it was again like an a, like a rich life experience where I'm able to talk about what my religion means to people who can counter that, who are atheists or who are different, who are practicing, excuse me, um, different religious perspectives. And I was just able to be like, yeah, this has been such a great experience for me to kind of come to terms with what my religion actually is for me. Like there's certain things in your identity yeah, and your makeup as a human being that you can never, ever, ever run away from, ever. Mm. And it's not, it's not something that I was trying to run away from, but it's just kind of testing it at times and seeing how strong your faith is and how important it really means to you. And for me, like, I'm a Muslim, like, wholeheartedly. Like, I wear that on my sleeve to the day I die. Um, and that experience just allowed me to, like, just strengthen, I think, your experience. And in Islam, you know, one of the five pillars is you have to go on Hajj and you have to go and do the actual Islamic pilgrimage mm. uh, in Mecca. And I haven't done that yet. This was kind of like a warm up for that. I was like, thinking that the yeah, warm up, yeah. <laughs> it kind of was because it's not. It's it's like you're, you're you're treading water a little bit. You're putting your 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 feet just above the water, and you're not really going in at, as such. To go in directly straight away at this age for me, I don't think would be the most beneficial thing for me to do once I'm older maybe married or become a father myself then I would love to do like the actual Islamic pilgrimage where I've got a more strengthened relationship with my religion and what it means to me because then I think as a parent your duty is to kind of explain not being forceful or being like yeah you have to be it's just being able to kind of teach everything that you've learned that has been of benefit to you to your kids so that they don't make mistakes that you've made or just so that you've armored them with knowledge and information for them to make up kind of their own mind of what direction they want to go in um but yeah that experience was it was amazing man like literally I was able to have so many great conversations with older more intellectual smarter people not smarter but like just different viewpoints um, yeah to then balance up my own perspective on what religion means to me Definitely, definitely. No, it looked it looked like an amazing opportunity. So well done. Well done for completing it. <laughs> yeah. Before we went, they were literally like, Are you ready for doing all of this walking? And I was like, Yeah, I got like my calves are strong, I got legs of steel. And then <laughs> and then I, I forgot that the, the backpack that we had to wear was obviously so heavy, weighing us down. Yo, my back was sweating. Oh and, my god. And we had to get these walking poles. Imagine me, yeah. South London my whole life, going into a shop <laughs> called Max and being like, I need to buy some walking poles. And they're like, where are you going? I was like, I'm going on a pilgrimage. I'm going on a trek, like, through Bulgaria, Serbia and Istanbul. And it's not like they're laughing at me, but I'm laughing at the whole thing because I find the whole experience of me just going, because I wouldn't do anything like that on a yeah. normal day to day. And then they, they they helped me so much and I was just able just to go. And it was, it was sick. I've still got the walking poles in my wardrobe somewhere. I might have to crack them out. Oh, that's good, man. I love that. I love <laughs> what an experience. That is insane. Well, what should anyone that is starting out know before they prepare for a journey and career in media? Because I feel like 
we all are like, oh my gosh, yeah, it's great. Oh my gosh, I get to interview people. Yeah, oh my gosh, pilgrimage. But <laughs> what, what, what are, the, are the secrets of, you know, being a broadcaster and being on the TV? What are the secrets that people need to be prepared for? Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that people might not actually explain to you and you're only going to learn through experience. And I'd love to share some of those. I think one of them is like, get ready for like a lot of rejection. Like, hmm. like, a, like a lot, a lot, like, and, and be able to be so thick skinned because you can turn around and say, oh yeah, like Finding Dad, BBC Three, Pilgrimage, BBC Two, uh, Asian Network, One Extra. Um, but there's been so many things that I have not got or I've not been able to achieve, or I've just been said no to, or people have not replied um, from trying to get a, a, an agent, for example, to mm. just just loads of different things that you need to be able to emotionally switch off professionally in regards to personally. Like, don't bring your personal emotions into your, like, professional environment, is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I feel, and I wish somebody told me that, like, early on, because I'd get I'm very passionate, right? Like, yeah, at times as well, that sometimes I'll let my emotions get the better of me and it's not the best strategy at all. Um, So I think, yeah, being able to do that, like get being able to have thick skin for rejection is definitely one of one of the bits of advice. Um, Financially, I would also say as well, become financially literate in regards to reading like literacy books about finances there's an amazing book that i'm reading at the moment called the wealthy gardener and it's like uh i'm just just i'm just gonna say just read it because okay it helps with like understanding financial literacy and where we need to move forward to when being in a position of like self-employment and being freelance like it's great yeah that is necessary yeah yeah indeed You literally have honestly shown that it's a lot of graft yourself. You have to be passionate. You have to, you know, get in the right room, get your foot in the door. So what would you say are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream Mem Shake? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to echo the first two things that I said. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. they are great tips like uh, resilience, thick skin. Like that is definitely one. Number two is becoming financially uh, literate, definitely, as number two. Number three is being a nice, kind-spirited person, like, and and not just being just yourself, like, literally wanting to be around people and working for, like, the greater good of what we're trying to create together and being part of that. So always having, like, kind of a smile on your face and wanting to push to be better, that would be number three like being kind spirited um number four would be to like really kind of be passionate about what Mm -hmm. it is you bring to the table in whatever capacity that it is that 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 you have and number five is like like really strongly believing in yourself even if that means even if like even if you think that you don't deserve to be at the table like you're at the table like really believe in it um like self-belief is something that even though it might not be seen, right? But it's something that I've also struggled with in the beginning where I'm like, oh man, like, what am I doing? How am I going to be able to go and achieve that or do this? You, you can't you can't push yourself to that level. That's, that's crazy. But then what I've realized now 
is that that voice that tells me that I can't makes me go, no, nah, what? I can. <laughs> so, the self, That's good. So, the self, so the self-doubt is kind of a bit like, it, the self-doubt is a, is a little bit like a kickstart for you to have even stronger self-belief, um, which is a bit weird. So yeah, those are the five that I would say. No, you smashed it. That is literally such great advice because honestly, I feel like there's a lot to experience in this industry not just about how you're going to make it you have to have experience and and you've you've clearly demonstrated that you know how to walk the walk and talk the talk <laughs> you know what my, my thing is yeah is I don't want to be one of those people that just talk 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 and then don't action like what they're talking about I want to be able yeah. to speak about stuff but also have an example to back it up so that you know that you're not that you're not speaking to someone who's just waffling all the time. Like, yeah. Who said it? I was what I was watching a Denzel Washington video. Like that man inspires me so much. Just how like honest and truthful he is. Yeah. He said something about um what was it about no matter what you do you become good at it. So if you're an amazing like excuse my language but if you're amazing if you're an amazing bullshitter you're gonna end up becoming a great bullshitter because you've just been bullshitting your whole life. <laughs> basically yeah yeah and I'm like rah that's so true for real I want to be an amazing like storyteller or like yeah honest like broadcaster if I carry on doing those things I'll become better at that stuff so working in your advantage to find out what it is you want to be good at and just carry on doing it until no one can do it better than you I love that. That was that was a nice nice way to wrap this up be the best insert positive quote (laughs) 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 makes sense it makes sense well honestly Mim it's been great so like this has been an actual catch-up for us which is well overdue but honestly it was great for you to join me on the mainstream podcast to just share your journey and experience so um what's next for you because obviously 2020 is a bit of a question mark year. Like the first half of the year has been absolutely confusing with lockdown, but it looks like moving forward, lockdown is going to be eased a little. Things are moving forward a little bit more. So what can we look forward to with you? Yeah. So I am. So within lockdown, I've written like a feature film script that I'm mad. Are you serious? Yeah. I've written a whole like feature film script, like in lockdown, which has kind of kept me sane. Um, congrats three or four weeks thank you so I'm just trying to I'm just trying to push that forward um I'm in talks with a few people to try and get that into like development and push that out like I don't know maybe in like a year or two years time um nice. yeah there's some documentaries that I've I've come my way that I want to try and be a part of like once the restrictions have kind of been lifted um and then a podcast as well like I'm I'm talking to a few places where I can try and yes. get back on the get back on the mic and uh and then and then and then having you on there as well obviously oh thank you we're gonna have to come through and like speak about like certain topics and issues 110 percent of course I would absolutely love to thank you Mim thank you so much well where can everyone follow you keep up to date with you yeah it's just Mim Shake on socials um Mim underscore Shake on Instagram Twitter is Mimshake underscore and yeah, I don't really use Twitter as much, but I'm yeah, I'm, I'm active on Insta. Um yeah, and it's Shake spelled S H A I K H, not S H A K E. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very you gotta make that clear. You gotta make it clear. 
where's that milkshake brother gone like I can't even find him bro. we were talking some like, we were talking some sick stuff on the podcast but I can't find him bro oh my gosh well thank you so much man for joining me on the mainstream absolutely welcome thank you very much for having me Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review on Apple and Spotify and follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London.